Live from WNUR News, I'm John Ferrara. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1 Evanston, Chicago. It's Wednesday, October 18th. Tonight on WNUR News, how Northwestern students are feeling about the Bears, NU Survivor prepares for a sixth cohort of castaways, a survival guide to freshman year, and another week of NU Sports Report. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. Two weeks ago, the Chicago Bears secured their first win of the season against the Washington Commanders. Do fans and students on campus think this marks a turn to the Bears season and put them in playoff contention? Jerry Wu has the story. Two weeks ago, the Chicago Bears were 0-4. They were fresh off a blowing and closely contested defeat against the Denver Broncos. Any remaining glimmers of hope, even playoff contention, were out of the picture. It seemed like a recurring nightmare of the last season, undoubtedly a step backward. Their prospects appeared bleaker as they were set to face the Washington Commanders. The Commanders had competed head-to-head against last year's NFC champion, the Philadelphia Eagles, the week before. But early in the game, the Bears got off to an uncharacteristic yet indomitable start, scoring 17 unanswered points. The Bears eventually closed off the game in convincing fashion with a final score of 40-20. to Some have called it a miracle. As imagined, the fan base was on their feet. At Northwestern, first-year Medill student Sammy Krimstein, a proud member of the Chicago Bears fan base, was ecstatic. It was very exciting to see the Bears finally get that first victory. Yeah, they just, they were firing on all cylinders. The Bears were looking like the Bears again. The Bears I thought that I would be seeing at the beginning of the season. So that really excited me. And I think it's, it's only up from here for the Bears. Coming into the season, expectations for the Chicago Bears had been higher. The team had secured a coveted trade for wide receiver DJ Moore in exchange for their number one pick in the NFL draft during the offseason. The Bears also got a bargain in signing a free agent TJ Edwards, one of the league's best performing linebackers last year. They also landed two-time pro baller linebacker Tremaine Edmonds from the Buffalo Bills. Seeing the team finally get together both imposing offense and defense, Crimson knew this is what the fan base had been waiting for. This team was supposed to be a playoff caliber team. So getting that first win was big, but the way they did it was even bigger because it wasn't just they squeaked out a win against a bad team. Seeing the Bears face that team on the road and embarrass them was really encouraging. And it showed Bears fans that, hey, this team can still compete with some of the best in the conference. Among standouts, DJ Moore put up a total of 230 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. Justin Fields also shined with a total of 282 passing yards with four touchdowns and zero interceptions. At Northwestern, however, other members of the Bears fan base do not seem to be moved in the slightest by the win. First-year Weinberg student Aiden Keefe sees this season no different from any other season. I, I expect nothing, and I would be shocked if anything major changed. But um, I think that the problem eternally with the Bears is having a good quarterback and a good offensive line at the same time. It's, it's, it's that kind of problem that I think pervades the culture of the Bears. And so unless that changes, I don't really have any high expectations for them over the next couple of years. While playoffs might no longer be a reality for the Bears, 
First-year Medill student Christian Morales said the fan base can only hope and settle for more realistic goals. Ah, uh, NFC North is pretty tough. Like, it's the Lions are really are really good right now. Packers, they're they own us. A miracle for us to get to the playoffs. So I'm kind of op- hoping for like eight. I don't know, cause like if we get if we get like the wins, we don't get the good draft pick. But if we don't get the but we don't get the wins, it's just even more like doubt on this organization. I'm kind of stuck. I'm kind of stuck. But I feel like I want to say like seven, eight wins. The Bears' last playoff appearance came in 2021. They lost the New Orleans Saints 21 to nine in the wild card round. Since then, the Bears have had two consecutive seasons without a winning record. The franchise felt an all-time low when they finished last season with their 10th straight loss. It is fair to say frustration, grief, and acceptance have been the three stages that sum up how many Bears fans feel at Northwestern. But amidst the time of darkness, the fandom across the country comes together every week for an invaluable experience, no matter the outcome. For Keith, that is the case. But it's about the experience of like being with other people and sort of gathering around this collective love-slash-hate relationship, sort of, of, like, the lovable losers, right? Um, and, like, it's a family. Like, my un- I used to go to my uncle's house, and my cousin and I would watch the games, and it was a tradition. And, like, it's just been a part of my life for so long that it's, like, a nostalgia thing, I guess, in part, too. In one way, the various students at Northwestern represent a fan base with grit and loyalty far beyond any explanation. Years of disappointments should have long extinguished the spirits of Bears fans. But as Morales puts it, the Bears fans embody something that many other fan bases have, but in overdrive, and that is passion. Oh man, they are passionate. They are, they are passionate. Even when the team's like not good, Stillzer Field's packed. Like, People in the city love the Bears, and it pains them year after year, mediocre after mediocrity, suffering horrible defeat after horrible defeat. It pains them, but they stay because they love this team. And I feel like <clears throat> I feel like the Bears are really like the heart and soul of the city. This past weekend, the Bears recorded their fifth loss in the season against the Minnesota Vikings. But in the coming weeks, wherever the Bears end up, one thing is certain, their fans will be by their side. For WNUR News, I'm Jerry Wu. Now moving on to arts and entertainment, the reality TV hit show Survivor just kicked off its 45th season in Fiji, but an iteration closer to campus is preparing to start its sixth season. NU Survivor has become a staple in the Northwestern community, and what better way to find out more about the spinoff than with a few interviews? I have the story. If a TV show gets renewed for a 45th season, it must be good, right? Right? Well, that's what the executives at CBS seem to think when it comes to Survivor, the long-standing reality TV show that throws a diverse batch of contestants into the jungle with little food and a lot of paranoia. In fact, Survivor is so popular that it's been replicated at Northwestern. Now I know what you're thinking. Wouldn't contestants just be able to go to Allison or Sarge when they start to get hungry? As a longtime Survivor fan, I had the same questions. I mean, how can you duplicate a show entirely based on manipulation and survival in the suburbs of Evanston, Illinois? We have a whole spreadsheet where we plan 
the season week by week of what the challenge is going to be that week. And then in winter, winter we actually start to play. So we usually have a weekly, the challenges are weekly. And um, afterwards, whichever team lost, uh, we set up a time to meet for their council, which is when they have to meet and vote somebody off. That's Emma Nelson, the co-host of the upcoming season of NU Survivor. Despite having never watched a full episode of The Real Thing, Nelson says she loves the NU edition of the show. So funnily enough, I've never seen a full episode of Survivor. I My interest in the club sort of just came out of um, pure curiosity when I saw them at the club fair last year, and it's a really great group of people, and I really like the concept of the show. I have seen to- the first season of Total Drama Island, which is based off of Survivor. <laughs> NU Survivor is entering its fifth season after starting in 2019. Contestants record every interaction they have with one another, and the production team watches everything over. Season one is on YouTube for anyone to watch, and Nelson hopes to make the show more accessible to viewers this upcoming season. One thing I'm definitely hoping for is we're working on getting editors to get all the seasons we've recorded up on YouTube because as of now, I think Northwestern Survivor season one is on YouTube, but there are seasons two, three, four, and then last year's was five that are yet to be edited and put together. Um, So that would be really cool to see them actually go up because I know for the people who played and possibly for people who haven't played, but maybe their friends were in it, it would be cool for them to actually watch it. Opposite of the production team are the contestants. I sat down with Alex Arnold, a season two participant, to get his take on the experience. Yeah, so I think it, it feels a lot like Survivor. The challenges kind of change quite a bit because you can't make giant obstacle courses. So one time it was like the logic puzzles we had to do. One was just trying to guess a number between zero and 10,000 until we got it first. Got it. Arnold was ultimately voted out just before the two tribes merged. In fairness, he was the only freshman playing and was confined to Zoom interactions. The rest of the players, mostly upperclassmen, were on campus and could interact more dynamically. I think it was cool to meet new people, because especially because I did it online, I hadn't met anyone yet. But it's a good way to meet people who you wouldn't really meet other ways, even if they're also lying to you. After talking with Alex and Emma, it feels like NU Survivor isn't all that different from the real show. There's deceit, challenges, and, well, no starving or bug bites. The show certainly isn't for everyone. It's a time commitment and can be a mental load. But for those who choose to participate, they have the chance to earn bragging rights and pseudo-reality TV experience. Oh, and before I let them go, I had to ask Alex and Emma how they think they'd fare on the real Survivor. Even online kind of takes a toll on you, just emotionally. And I can't imagine doing that while I'm also starving and not sleeping. So I think it'd be fun, but also really hard. So I don't know if I would. I think if I was there, I think I could do well, though. I think I could make it as long as I deal with the whole starving thing. But I think it would be super fun. In terms of how far I'd get, I think I'd be sort of a middle of the pack. Because I think I'd do well enough in challenges where people would want to keep me around. But I don't know if I have the the sort of manipulative tactics that are sometimes needed to make it. For WNUR News, I'm John Ferrara.
And of course, it's time for oddities. As week five winds to a close, some new Northwestern students might be feeling the effects of the quarter system. Luckily, there are plenty of students on campus who have been there before. Reporter Mika Ellison rounded up some advice from upperclassmen on how to survive your freshman year. Wildcat Welcome is great, but an even more time-honored tradition of being a freshman in college is the endless amount of advice everyone wants to dispense to you. From well-meaning relatives to nosy upperclassmen, everyone wants to give you the key to surviving college, and then wants to know every possible thing about how you're doing. The deluge of advice can feel even more overwhelming than the actual process of starting college. But as the quarter system reaches its midpoint and midterms rear their ugly head, freshmen at Northwestern might actually want some advice. So without further ado, here are some more voices to add to the chorus of helpful tips you've no doubt been saving since your first days here. Good evening, this is Jake Epstein here. One piece of advice that I would have for first years is uh, to make sure you stay active, uh, however that may be. That was middle sophomore Jake Epstein, whose piece of advice was practical and non-academic. Middle sophomore Scott Huang had a similar sentiment. And my advice to freshmen is this, eat, sleep, and exercise. Middle juniors Laura Simmons and Selena Kuznikov did mention academics. Don't be more stressed and anxious about school than you have to be. It's not worth it. An advice I would have for freshmen is just don't take yourself too seriously. Just, just chill out. It's fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> Things will work out. Weinberg junior Madeline Williams and graduate student Rodney Reichert both offered practical tips for the overwhelmed freshmen stuck in the middle of a midterm-induced stress coma. To not join every club imaginable because you will be overwhelmed and you won't be able to like actually be committed to any of them. At the beginning of each week or whenever works for you, write out all the assignments that you have for the upcoming week. Um, you know, what they are, what class they're for, and when they're due, just so you know. School of Com senior Allison Kassler, School of Com junior Bin Hao Wu, and Medill sophomore William Tong all had tips that were unfailingly practical, but definitely useful to a new college student. And my one piece of advice for freshmen would be learn how to do your own laundry before you get here, because if you don't take the lint out of the dryers or you leave your stuff in the machines for too long, you very quickly become public enemy number one in your dorm. My one advice is to pick a really good picture for your wall card. That stays with you for four mm. years. My advice for freshmen would be to make friends with people in res colleges can, so you can use their fancy uh, kitchens. Whether it's knowing the best place to cry on campus, where the bathrooms are in main library, or just being able to commiserate about the quarter system, as a freshman, your fellow students can be the best resource you have at NU. So if your midterms are making you feel like the year might never end, don't be afraid to ask someone for help. Who knows? They might need some advice from you. For WNUR News, I'm Mika Ellison. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.20 p.m. Central Time. It's Wednesday, and that means it's time for another NU Sports Report. Jonah Turner takes you through the last week of Wildcat action. I'm Jonah Turner, and let's get right to your recap of last week's Wildcat action. Fireball defeated Maryland three sets to one Friday night at Welsh Ryan Arena. After dropping the first set, with the Cats unable to overcome a quick 5-0 Maryland start that they held to win 25-20. However, the Cats roared back, winning three straight sets behind a team leading 27 kills from Julia San Giacomo and a great performance from senior Alexa Rousseau with 42 assists. 
The Cats then travels to number 24 Minnesota on Sunday, starting off strong with a 25-14 set one win and winning set three 27-25. The Cats then fell victim to a furious Minnesota comeback, falling 25-20-22 and 15-12 to lose set to lose three sets to two. St. Giacomo again surpasses 20 kills with 24 to once again lead the team, and Rousseau put up 43 assists to surpass her total from Friday. The 9-9 Cats will look to bounce back against number 2 Nebraska at 7 p.m. in Welsh Rhine Arena this evening, and again on Saturday against Michigan. Both games will also be available to watch on Big Ten Plus, which is free on campus. Simply log in through Northwestern Wi-Fi or with the university email address. After a win away at Iowa that saw Meg Bodie's 12th assist, setting a Northwestern season single-season record, women's soccer hosted Penn State last Sunday, drawing 2-2 with the number 4-ranked Nittany Lions. The Cats got off to a poor start with a goal from Olivia Borgen, her 6th of the season. The game then changed rapidly just 5 minutes later as Penn State was given a red card and the Cats awarded a penalty in the 24th minute. Senior forward Ella Haas slotted the penalty home for her first of two goals on the day. Her second came almost 10 minutes later, tapping in across to give the Cats a 2-1 lead. Penn State equalized early in the second half. The game, the rest of the game was a siege against the Penn State goal, with 12 of the Cats' season-high 28 shots coming, but were unable to regain the lead. Ella Haas took home Offensive Player of the Week honors as the draw takes the Cats to 2-4-2 in the Big Ten and 8-4-4 on the season. The last home game of the season is 7 p.m. this Thursday at Martin Stadium against the Golden Gophers of Minnesota, also broadcast live on Big Ten+. Plus. The undefeated season ended for men's soccer as they fell 2-1 away to Penn State, dropping to 9-1-3 and 3-1-1 in the Big Ten. Despite the setback, which saw a first-half goal by Justin Weiss overcome by two late second-half goals by the Nittany Lions, the Cats remain at the top of the Big Ten. Next up is a ranked matchup against number 20 Michigan State this Friday at 7 p.m. in Martin Stadium and live on Big Ten+. Plus. The Cats will have their final home game Tuesday at 7 p.m. against Indiana as they look to close out the home portion of their schedule with a win. Men's and women's swim defeated Miami of Ohio this Saturday, with the men securing a dominating 204-96 win. This came after a men's win and women's loss against Cincinnati the previous day and sets the stage for a strong season ahead. Field hockey defeated Ohio 5-0, their 13th straight win and 5th straight shutout. The number one Cats have allowed .5 goals per game, lowest in the country, and next traveled to number 15 Penn State on Friday and number 4 Rutgers Sunday as the season reaches its end. In fencing Division 1A events, Eugene Lee and Rowan Park took home the gold and silver for the Cats in the women's foil, while Anna Damratowski took silver and Hannah Lipte took bronze in the women's pay. Northwestern dominated the women's saver, sweeping the medal positions with Zhao Chen with gold, Kaling Sathyanath taking silver, and Megumi Oishi and Levi Hugendorn sharing bronze. The Cats also placed well and won many of the junior categories, a massive result in the first competition of the year. And finally, men's golf traveled to my hometown of Alfreda, Georgia, finishing 13th at the Golf Club of Georgia Collegiate Invitational, with Cameron Adams shooting lowest for the Cats with a 69, 71, 72 across three rounds of play. Football returns this week as the Cats travel to Nebraska to face the Cornhuskers at 2.30 this Saturday. AJ Henning will return to the lineup as Ben Bryant remains questionable. That wraps up your NU Sports Report for the week. For more information about upcoming games, as well as how you can watch the podcast live, visit www.nusports.com. I'm Jonah Turner, WNUR News. And let's take a look at the weather for tonight. The average temperature today is 60 degrees with a high of 66 and a low of 53. The skies were a little gray and cloudy today, but they should clear up within the week. Now taking a look at the headlines, Jim Jordan failed in his second attempt to become the Speaker of the House of Representatives today. Holding onto a narrow majority, the Republican needs almost every member of his caucus to support him to earn the speakership over Democrat Hakeem Jeffries, who Democrats have rallied behind unanimously. Jordan seems to make backwards progress in the second vote, as 22 Republicans dissented. 
Only 20 Republicans voted against him in the first ballot. The drama comes after a group of House Republicans ousted former Speaker Kevin McCarthy a few weeks ago. Netflix announced on Wednesday that it's planning to raise prices once again. The move is supposed to kick in immediately in the United States, and the basic plan is set to increase from $9.99 a month to $11.99, and the premium plan will move from $19.99 a month to $22.99. Netflix is looking to capitalize on monetizing after prohibiting password sharing last year. The password protection strategy earned Netflix a net gain of 2.4 million new subscribers. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter or X at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, wnurnews.org. That's wnurnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Cara Totley, and our reporters are Jerry Wu, myself, and Mika Ellison. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm John Ferrara, and catch our next newscast on Friday, October 20th at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming.